What's up, everybody? On this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we discuss the Olympics, what we have seen, and what we're paying attention to. And we also discuss Simone Biles and her courage to come out and say that she needs to sit out some events. We touched on the NFL, we touched on Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, and we also touched on the Big 12 and this conference realignment. So make sure you guys tune in on this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports. up everybody welcome to another episode of the guys talking sports ah now i'm coming back and focus okay what's going on everybody how you guys doing tonight lovely <laughs> chilling like a villain <laughs> that's what's up uh, so much going on in the world of sports where do we begin let's start off with the olympics and work our way up to the climatic part of the NFL. Let's start with the Olympics. Uh, I'm not going to address the elephant in the room, which is Simone Biles, just yet. I'm just curious to know if you guys are been interested, watched anything, anything caught your eye? Um, let's do it this way. Um, nothing has really caught my eye. Per- I take that back. I was very interested in some of the, the sporting events, like the three-on-three basketball. Uh, I was curious about that. Um, I did. I'm going to be honest with you. I really wasn't watching the Olympics. I caught um, some of the events here and there. Um, but overall, I haven't been watching it as much as I should, most likely because of my busy schedule. Um, but the times that I did watch it, I have to admit, I, I, I stayed tuned to the various events. Um, I definitely was feeling the women's three-on-three um, basketball, um, so I was definitely watching that. Um, I didn't get a chance to see the men's. Um, I don't. I, I saw the triathlon. Um, those are the only couple of events that I really saw at that moment. I didn't really get a chance to see any other ones. Um, but I thought the three-on-three basketball was definitely interesting, um, seeing how they play it, seeing the rules, and seeing how that um, worked. Um, to be honest, I was kind of interested in wondering why um, like the U.S. women's basketball team have all WNBA players. Um, men's basketball and the three-on-three is a little bit different. Where you is, I'm not saying they, they're not recognizable names, but I would have thought that they would have had put some more athletes, star athletes, on the three-on-three. But outside of that, um, I haven't really been in tune to the Olympics as as much as I should. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, I kind of watch the Olympics off and on. Um, uh, I'm usually more interested when it comes to the track and field portion of it. Um, The uh, swimming and the gymnastics is a passing fancy. Wifey watches the Olympics, so she's big on the uh, gymnastics. So that's been on on the TV the last couple of days. But, you know, I do like the boxing kind of, you know, see what's going on with there. I was actually catching up on some of the other sports that I don't normally watch. So I did watch a little bit of the fencing, the the judo, the taekwondo, I saw some bad mitting, <laughs> which looked weird because the net is so damn low when they're hitting it over. Um, what else? Archery was actually pretty good. So I've been kind of like flipping back and forth to kind of see the stuff. I actually saw the inaugural um, skateboarding, street skateboarding um, competition. It was actually kind of interesting. Um, 
Um, but, you know, I kind of like to look at some of the stuff that you don't get to see um, too often. Um, I didn't see any rowing, which I kind of actually like to watch, surprisingly. Um, I probably got a better appreciation for it because we did a team event for my job years years back. We were out on the Schuylkill River um, where those boat row houses are, and we actually had to row, you know, one of those long Olympic-sized freaking boats. Trust me, that's, that's some damn work. <laughs> work for your ass but um but um i didn't really get a chance to catch much of the three on three i saw a little bit of it i did see al there was one player from the um aces that was on the team okay so they they did have a WNBA player or two um but um yeah i mean um like i said i've been kind of watching it off and on a little bit um but uh yeah i i pretty much like watching more sort of track and field and obviously ace with your cousin being in there you know i need you to text me her name again or shout it out here so <laughs> we can make sure we uh keep a keep an eye on that because they didn't start yet i think they start this weekend because they're usually the second week into the end of the rolling into the end of the olympics is all track and field yeah so as it goes for me and I will get you my cousin's name here in a second. And I do apologize. You know, you would think this is my cousin. I'm going to just blur it out just like that. She is a distant cousin. She is still like my first cousin, but it's just the first cousin that I have not grown up with and I'm not very familiar with. So I do. Hey, come on, man. Don't say distant cousin. <laughs> just say, say family. <laughs> yes, she's family. But um, her name is Nicole Green. Okay. And she does the high jump. But as far as my Olympic uh, viewing has gone, I think I watched four minutes of the opening ceremonies and that was it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and even then I thought that was just kind of kind of whack. So I turned the channel and I never turned back. Uh, it just doesn't have the same feel or energy if there was, you know, crowds in the, in, in the seats and Given that vibe of the opening ceremonies, the clapping and recognizing the, the change of sets and sceneries and things of that nature. So I was just sitting there watching it and I was like, hmm, okay, I'm bored. Let me turn the channel. And outside of that, I noticed that the USA is number three in medal count so far. And I believe the two top two teams are uh, Japan and China. Is one and two, which is probably like that normally in most Olympics until track and field comes around, and then that's when the United States just kind of in in Jamaica kind of just sweeps everything <laughs> out the gate. But uh, I guess I get into it here soon, maybe. Uh, But uh, I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, the United States comes through. I, I know that the, the USA basketball team lost their first game, but then came back and whooped Pakistan or Iran's ass. I don't know. I mean, that was to be given. Iran. <laughs> but as the team stands right now, I don't know if they'll sit there and come out with gold. 
I don't know. Man. I I am I I know we talked about this last week in that regards. I said it before. I said I don't see the US being as dominant as it was, um, especially when it comes to the basketball. I think that with so many international teams catching up, um, it's going to be I, I'm not I wouldn't be surprised. I really won't be surprised at all if they do not meddle in any other in in, in when it comes to basketball. I'm talking about the men. The women has a better chance of win, of winning um some type of medal um than the men at this stage um but we will see maybe they will get their act together but i know that the level of playing field has definitely changed yes i agree and um you know is you know they already got a you know they already got a, a a leg behind or a step behind because even majority a lot of your top players aren't playing so i mean i can think of four people off the top of my head right now that aren't playing for injured recovering from injury or just opted not to play so i mean but you're right al it's it's uh the international players um have definitely shortened the gap so i'm with you i mean if they don't meddle it wouldn't shock me at all well but the problem is that i'm sorry Ace. um no 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 i'm saying um i'm saying is that People need to realize that, and a lot of people don't realize in that regard. And to be honest, Evan Fourier um, from the, from France put it perfectly: like they're great players, but they're not used to playing as a team bas- as a team aspect of it. And you can see the difference with all the international players or international countries play as a team. And as long as that team chemistry is there for all the international teams they have a good enough chance to beat the USA. That's and right. to be honest, USA cannot complain or be upset or, to be honest, they can't even be upset with USA's, the, te- the basketball team's play. It's just that they weren't together cohesively as a team like some of the other internationals are. And I think that once that shows USA can, I mean, uh, the critics cannot, comp- the critics at this stage should not be going after the USA coaches or the team, the players itself, when there was never team chemistry to be built. So you just can't do it with just the top players coming together. They have to be a chemistry there and they'll learn that the hard way. That's, that's for sure. Well, it's just interesting how the NBA style of basketball is translating to the Olympic USA style, USA style of basketball. And I say that because when they were down and they were down by two or three points, instead of them trying to drive to the hole, get a deuce and a foul, they wanted to consistently try to shoot, shoot threes. I'm like, what, what kind of crap is that? <laughs> I'm like, dude, I, who was it that had to open three in the corner? It had an entire lane where could just oh, oh was it a uh, Drew Holiday? Could have been because he's now with the team now. Yeah, I think Drew Holiday had an open three, but instead of driving to the hole because they were down two, and trying to get a deuce, he jacked up a three, and I think that's when they had like five opportunities and, and jacked up five three pointers and missed all five in a row. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, Part of me wants them to lose, 
you know, lose to the point where, I mean, it, they might get bronze or something. They don't get gold to humble them. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 you know, they, they're getting too big for the britches. They think because they're the best in the world that they could do what they can do. But just like you said, Al, you know, they're not a team. They're a collective group of great players, but do not know how to play as a team. And I, and I truly do. And I'm not trying to down USA. I just think they need to learn a lesson. Yeah, and, and I think also um, another um, thing add on top of that is the way the NBA schedule fell. I mean, normally in past times, you would have the finals would have been over beginning of June. You would have had the you would have basically had free agency start at the beginning of July. You would have had the summer thing for or I guess the Olympic training right after that. And then you go into the Olympics. You really didn't have like much of a training kind of session. Free agency didn't start. So a lot of cats ain't trying to really go out there full tilt and blow an injury. A lot of them cats on that squad are looking to kind of re-up, possibly trade. So ain't nobody doing nothing that's going to cost them paper. So, mm-hmm. I mean, right now you getting, in my opinion, I, I watched um, I watched the loss against France they put not the bare minimum effort. And like you said, they, you know, they, there's a wide open three. You can go to the lane. Ain't nobody trying to risk anything at this particular point. I was actually surprised Kevin Durant actually played to be perfectly honest because he's not that far removed from just getting fully recovered from that um, Achilles. I was shocked that he was even out. I mean, they even decided to play. If he would have sat back and be like, nah, I want to make sure I'm good at the beginning of the season, you know, start a season. I don't think anybody would have fought him for it, but they really didn't have any of the major stars. Um, there's no LeBron. There's no Steph. There's no AD. There's no Clay. There's no Kyrie. There's no James Harden. That's six people right there. That was almost on the that was on the squad, I believe, last go round. So, I mean, I mean, perfectly honest, and it could piss off anybody. You don't got the top grade A players. You kind of got like. I don't want to say B-level players, but you kind of got like 1A to B. I like to look at this. The, the top tier is rated R. They got the NC-17 players. <laughs> <laughs> like, you shouldn't be 17 and younger to watch this. But if you're not over 18, you can't watch this. <laughs> nah, they got a lot of the um, JV out there. They ain't got the varsity guys out there. A lot of varsity guys opted out to play. <laughs> no, I think they got varsity. I think they just got the seven through fifteen portion of the bench. <laughs> that by far has to be the perfect analogy I've ever heard. That fits perfectly. I I can't argue with that. That has got to be the perfect analogy. Wait a second, Russell Westbrook ain't even out there. Did he even get? Did he even get axed? I don't think so. Oof. Dang, um, I, I mean, think he would have been a beast. I think he'd have just been taking it to the hole every chance he got. But the problem, but the problem is, is that um to be told, like this position, the way that they're playing, it's it's the whole dynamic has changed. Um, and I guess honestly see, I mean, the players that they have right now is not like you know, it's not bad. It's just that they're just not gelling like they should. Like, 
the reason why you had certain people on certain squads, like when Steph and um, Clay and I forgot somebody else um, was on that squad is because they was all part of the same team. Um, and you throw Kevin KD in the mix with Draymond, you know, you had that rotation because you they you knew what you was getting. With you have Draymond KD who play, you know, played together, but then you have Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton who plays together. Dame hasn't played with anybody on that team, so like you don't know where people's spots are, where people can pick and choose. Like truth be told, like. They're gonna. It's gonna take some time, and they should have had that time. Which I completely agree with you, Smooth, on the fact that with everything the way the NBA was set up and designed for them to move directly into the Olympics, it didn't give them enough time to prepare. And not having enough time to prepare is definitely showing, giving um the international teams the opportunity to basically say, you know what, this is our moment now to seize the opportunity while they're still jealous. You know what I would like for them to go do? I would like for the USA basketball team to have an A squad. But I would like for them to have a high B-plus squad. A squad that you wouldn't necessarily send over to represent USA. But it's a squad knowing that they may have not made the playoffs, but they're there practicing. And they're there setting plays and they're doing what they need to do so that when the A squad comes, they have a bona fide practice squad that they can go against and can really be challenged. To, to be honest, they kind of do. I was going to say the G League. <laughs> I mean, they got the G League. They got the over, the under 17. They have another U.S. Um, uh, Olympic team, a USA team, um, where they practice all the time. Like there's a under 17 and under or a uh, I forgot the actual name of the team, but they've been practicing all this like straight, straight through. So, and I think they challenged the actual U.S. Olympic team. So, I get where you're coming from. It's I just it, they're just not prepared. That's what it just seems as though they they're not prepared. They're still learning while they go. And I think if I think if they do decide to do this, I think the United States needs to have them sign a contract and say, hey, if you want to be a part of this Olympic squad for the next four to five years, you sign this contract. And you are obligated to play. USA will pay you or whatever it is that they do to solidify that you're there. And you will make that ultimate sacrifice. And if this is something that you're not willing to sacrifice for, then don't play. But I mean, we sit there, we make faces, but LeBron sacrificed for it. I think Steph it's easier. I think it's easy to make this sacrifice a, a year out when you know the Olympics are coming. I think it's hard to, to sign that contract. Well, depending on when you want to sign that contract. If you're saying at the beginning of the season, knowing that the knowing that the um, Olympics are going to be in that summer, maybe. But still, a lot of a lot of guys were you know injuries. If you're coming out out of the season injured or gimpy and it's, it's i think it's too many factors for a lot of people to want to want to do that some may but some might be like i don't want to i don't want to take that chance but i think it's just the way the team is constructed and the time to have a pair right now it looks like they're 
it looks like, you know, preseason NFL first game. <laughs> Matter of fact, it looks like, um, no, it looks worse than that. It looks almost like inter, inter-team scrimmages before you get to preseason. Summer league. Something like that. <laughs> Nah, I but I, I mean, but I, I, I don't know because even though the say the Olympics, if it were played last year, would have been in 2020. Mm-hmm. The pro am games would be in 2022, so that would have been a tune-up for them to play together in 2022 and then get ready for the next Olympics. So I'm assuming that the Summer Olympics is still going to be in 2024. So the pro am games is going to be in 2022. <laughs> True. And you might get a little bit better because it, uh, if, and we're all assuming that the pandemic by that point would be a, a way off in the rearview mirror and you might have a little bit more people more willing to take the risk. And plus it's in Paris. So, you know, <laughs> the cast be, might be more, more willing to go out there if it's no, the pandemic is gone. But I think this year was just bad year you're seeing it not just in basketball i think you're seeing it across the board a lot of olympic sports well it's interesting that you say that that's a nice segue into women's gymnastics uh with simone browse uh what do you guys take on that you know i didn't know much about it when she withdrew but kind of paying attention to espn today and the talking heads and what everything that she talked about it kind of it kind of made sense what she did in the sense that she's protecting herself and her mental health but is it fair that she waited till now to sit there and say this is how i'm feeling knowing that she probably had these doubts and these fears going into if the olympics would have been in 2020 but then it took the year off and she trained and maybe she thought she could get over it. And she went through the trials and she did a hell of a job, man. She is GOAT. She is the GOAT of gymnastics ever. Hands down, without a doubt, the GOAT. But I'm not saying she's selfish because it takes courage to sit there and say, my mind ain't right to go out here and perform to the best of my ability. But do you think she could have done it sooner? No. Um, because truth be told, you never know um, with mental health when that happens to affect somebody. So, I mean, if it was like, bottom line is this. I think that overall, you know, I would rather her do it now than to risk any further issue down the road. Um, so it's better late than never. Um, I'm, uh, that's how I'm seeing it because when you're dealing with mental health, you don't know when, what that person is dealing with. So as far as this is concerned, I'd rather her take care of what she needs to take care of now than to wait and then further injure herself or, you know, do something, you know, permanently, you know, something to that effect. I would rather her handle the business that she needs to handle now. I'm to be honest, it's a good thing that she came out because there's so many people nowadays that even Michael Phelps even said the same thing. He was like, kudos to her for doing what she did. Um, it's unfortunate that it happened during the Olympics, but 
to be honest, it's not really about the Olympics, about her getting herself right. So that should be the main focus point for, for her. And as long as she is okay with, and you know, as long as she is okay, then she'll be able to do it and focus on down the road. But if she feels though there was something wrong with her, then I'm glad she spoke out about it. Because truth be told, no one knows your body but you. Nobody knows your mental aspect but you. So. Yeah, I think um, you, you don't know. Um, and um, even still to right now, I don't even know what to make and think of it all. Um, you know, I guess we all, from a more selfish perspective, wanted to see her perform, wanted to see the team win gold. Um, but, you know, it's, it's courage um, to sit there and be at at that position, at that point where all eyes are on you, um, the whole world is on you, um, you're, you're at the stage. Who knows what the trigger is? Like you said, Al, you just don't know. And, you know, I watched it. You know, she tried it. You can almost kind of see it in her eyes where she didn't look like she was, you know, you know that look when you're ready to go and she didn't look like she was 100% ready to go and she pulled herself out. And, you know, she's been getting a lot of compliments, a lot of, you know, you know, people thinking of her, like you said, um, uh, Michael Phelps even talked about it, you know, that night, but then you're going to have some people that are not going to agree with it. This is not going to go away. Um, she also pulled herself out of the individual, which a lot of people are worth thinking that she might be able to do it, but personally, I don't think she's going to do anything at all. I think, um, she pulled out the team. She pulled out the individual. Um, there's still the, I mean, she pulled out the all around. There's still the individual um, stuff that she can do. And there's no guarantee she's going to do that. But, you know, it, it's rough. It, it's, it's one of those things where you hear so many stories about what could have played, how does, you know, why did it occur? But, Sometimes you just get to a point, and the truth be told, it felt more like the Simone Biles Olympics than it was like everybody else. And Definitely. you know, and she got put up on this pedestal. It wasn't like she wasn't, it was like this was going to be basically the coronation when she goes there to be the goat. I mean, she had the goat little pictures where she was holding the goat, the goat, you know, bag, the goat um, pillow, which I always thought was a little. I was a little uncomfortable with the way she was embracing this all because it almost set it almost felt like the setup to failure. Um, but she probably put a lot of pressure on herself. The media put a lot of pressure on herself. A lot of people who are giving her money for endorsements put a lot of pressure on her. And you know, there are only a handful of people, and that handful is very small that can handle that pressure and perform on field. But sometimes you if, you, if it ain't there, you ain't got it, you know, you pull yourself out. And sometimes people don't and, and have a bad performance, but she was like, nope, she would just pull herself out. And the women's, you know, team almost got gold. They got silver, but they, I mean, they weren't that far off from getting gold. I applaud her. It takes courage to go out there and do what she did and say what she said and to withdraw from the ultimate stage of athletic competition. Um, I hope that she's able to define that piece that she's looking for, to get back that competitive edge that I know she has, 
and to feel comfortable that she can go out there and still compete at a high level. I mean, she's only 24. And she was saying that she could feel her bones hurting, that she was her body was sore. Like you can really see that she's been doing this at a high level for quite a long time. And this might be the last time we might see Simone Boyles, Simone Biles, excuse me, actually competing at this level. And we've had a front row seat to watch her for the past eight years really go out there and solidify herself as the greatest gymnast to ever dawn. Uh, excuse me. No, I take that back. The greatest gymnast to ever dawn. Uh, <laughs> you know, gymnastics, whether it be male or female. Um, so kudos to her. Uh, and, you know, what I really liked was her strength and her courage to stay out there and encourage her teammates to go out there and kick ass and go out there and do her best because she easily could have just walked out and you know and really just been focused on herself but she still remained to be a, a team player and to make sure that her teammates go out there and really put forth the best effort and I think with her encouragement and them going out there I still think they have a very good chance to claim gold moving forward uh, they just have to really put top-notch effort you know because they're not going to be guaranteed those 9.99s or those 10s that Simone, Boy, Simone Biles would, uh, would possibly get them. So I think they could pull it out, you know, but kudos to Simone. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, I my only concern is when, and it's crazy because it's not just Simone Biles, you know, Naomi Osaka was dealing with the same thing as well about this whole mental with the mental health and it's crazy the fact that so many people criticize people about mental health and half of the people don't haven't even been, i mean not not even been in the same realm as some of these athletes are like people don't know what they're going through people don't know their situation and these athletes train all the time and they be criticized because they feel as though that you know they don't feel right to continue to perform and people criticize we got to the point where so many people that are still selfish that they want to see like they would rather sacrifice people's mental health just to see them compete and it's it's a shame that we live in a society that we have people that are willing to criticize even about the littlest things so when she pulls out because of mental health you should be there to support. And a lot of people don't do that nowadays. They would criticize the fact that she should st st stick it up. I mean, stuck, you know, stick with it and, you know, be able to fight through this. And not a lot of people is not is like that. And really, people need to really understand the whole importance of mental health and see that when there's somebody that's struggling, they should be there to support, not, not they should be there to encourage and not trying to force the issue down their throats. Yeah, I mean, um, we've seen in the past, I mean, I mean, you guys know, you know, you know, playing, you know, sports, you know, even if you're not feeling a hundred percent, you know, your coaches are going to be like, unless you can't physically play, you better get out there and, and basically man up, <laughs> man up and do your business. Um, and in the past, I think, you know, it's people have dealt with mental issues or anxiety by using drugs using you know alcohol i mean using women i mean they found other avenues that weren't constructive and weren't helpful to them 
to kind of be able to perform on a on a sun on a Sunday for football or Saturday for football or any night in basketball or boxing. I mean, we can go down a litany of you know sports where we've seen other athletes who have probably dealt with this, didn't say it because it wasn't acceptable to say it, but you found other ways that didn't help you in the long run, you know, manage it. It doesn't really help, it just kind of just numbs it, but it never you never address the root. And I think it feels like over the last two years, it feels like it's being a little bit more acceptable to talk about this stuff now. So like I said, I give her kudos. I mean, because she could have done a plethora of other ways of trying to, you know, handle all the anxiety. And, and that's pressure. I don't think anyone in the Olympics has had that kind of pressure that she has put weight on her, sh- on her shoulders leading up and then going in and not everybody, you know, can handle that. You know, that's, that's a lot for anybody. Even if you think of Tiger Woods or, or Michael Jordan or the two people who I think who've had probably had to deal with not the same kind of, but similar kind of pressures to perform at a high level every night and be on point. They did it, but we've seen, you know, when you start hearing about this stuff, how they handled <laughs> the pressure and it was destructive on both parts. More so, Tiger Woods really more destructive. <laughs> yeah. Glad you didn't hear that. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> the bunnies, man. Yeah, he, uh, he has them with the bunnies. Uh, <laughs> Everybody has their coping mechanisms. Exactly. Playboy bunnies, that is. Uh, Yes, uh, not to diminish uh, Ms. Biles' uh, courage, you know, go out there and we're, we're proud of you. I hope that, you know, you might be able to come back, but if not, you have nothing to be ashamed of. You, you, you don't have anything else to prove. You know, let the next great one from the USA come out and, and, and shine and prove that the legacy will continue. Exactly. Uh, so, moving right along, NFL training camp has just opened. A Mr. A Rod, don't you ever dare say A Rod again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Alex Rodriguez, and I thought you were saying he was making a comeback to MLB. <laughs> and not that I say that that's bad. I was just hoping it wasn't with the Yankees. That's all. That is all. <laughs> We done paid them, let them move on. <laughs> but Aaron Rodgers is back. And as my man Stephen A would say, he's a bad, bad man. And a GM and a president and owner. <laughs> because his, his holdout, not only he got what he wanted, which was to reducing his contract, the years in his contract, he has a one-year contract pretty much now where they'll revisit it after this season and make a determination if he should come back or if they'll trade him. He also negotiated where Randall Cobb is coming back. (laughs) And he's also, uh, what's their number one receiver's name? I can't think of his name off the top of my head right now. Devontae Adams. Yes, where he didn't want to sit there and talk a contract. Now he's like, oh, Aaron's back? Okay, yeah, I want to talk contract, but no, no, you got to pay it, bro. <laughs> so now he's demanding top money to come back. And what they're going to do? 
they're going to pay the man. <laughs> because what they're going to want to do is to make uh, Aaron Rodgers happy. So it's a win-win-win possibility unless they don't win the Super Bowl, then it's a bust for everybody. So, guys, what do you guys' take on this whole holdout situation? Is Aaron a, is Aaron a, a, a genius and, and called the bluff of Green Bay? Or is Green Bay and management just a bunch of punks and they didn't know how to kind of play their position and just let things work out the way they must work out? Um, I'm going to defer this comment <laughs> to the um, I'm going to defer this over to Smooth and let him um, re- respond to this. Uh, and yet, ever since he decided to make it known that he wanted to be traded the night, the night of the draft, the first round, I've been hearing about this every single flipping morning from then to now. And tomorrow. <laughs> and tomorrow and the next day. I'll put it to you. You know, I'm going to be very brief about this one. I'm not going to go on a, a, a rant today. Um, it's uh, the, the Green Bay Packers might wind up making the best out of this. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they called his bluff. They said, if you don't want to if you don't want to play, we're not trading you until we feel good about it. And if so, guess what? Either you play or you retire. And if you come back, we still got your rights. So guess what? You got either you come back or retire. So he comes back, they make some concessions. Basically, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a one-year rental. And they, and they allowed, Devontae Adams are happy now. He's probably going to get his money. They got in Randall Cobb. Um, why didn't they try to go out and get, you know, Odell Beckham? I'm not too sure. But uh, Aaron Rodgers wanted the Tom Brady power. <laughs> and you saw how Tom Brady went down to Tampa and brought in all of his peoples that he wanted. And, and luckily for him, in a bad Kansas City, you know, offensive line, it worked out for him. So Aaron Rodgers saw that. And he wants the same thing in, in Green Bay. And the Packers don't roll like that. And so the Packers said, okay, you know what? We're going to give you a one year. We're going to let you do what you want to do. Matt LaFleur, let him do what he wants to do. Anything short of him winning the Super Bowl will keep him in Green Bay. If he doesn't make it to the Super Bowl, he is going to get his ass traded to the team of his choice. And Green Bay is going to be said, thank goodness. Good riddance. So why not do it this time? Why not? Why why go why go through all that? Because they want to get maximum value for his for a trade. And they can he they have it in a contract where after one year, if he decides he doesn't want to do it, then they can trade. He's gonna go to a team of his choice, but it's gonna be a deal that's gonna be comparable to what the Packers want. If he would have did this trade or asked for this trade a month before the draft, he would have got his choice. He would have got his choice because then you could have been able to finagle 
a couple of first round picks, some players. But when you do the day of, everyone is going to pick what he want to pick. So it was kind of hard to really get maximum value because you're trying, you want picks and you want good players. But the players that these teams pick, you're not 100% sure that they're going to be what you want. You want to be able to pick the guys that you want. You want to be able to pick the person that you want that's a, a already an NFL player. So if you would have did this, like how Deshaun Watson came out and said, I want to be traded, he would have got his wish before the draft. They would have, trust me, they got Jordan Love. They would have easily been able to find someone. San Fran probably would have eventually made the deal. I don't know what happened there, but I don't think everybody was really serious about it. Um, but anything short of him winning the Super Bowl, he is not going to be on the Green Bay Packers next year. They will get a trade done. And they're going to get maximum compensation because, trust me, it's 26 teams now that they were saying that one of them. It's going to be 26 teams next year <laughs> that's going to one them. So the field is going to be pretty good. Now, if he comes out there and hurts himself, whoo, Packers once again are good because they, they can be like, well, we got you in a one-year rental. Your contract expires after this year. Either way, I think the Packers are happy. And Aaron Rodgers is happy, but I think the Packers are more happy because they're saying that as long as Tom Brady is out there, we don't believe you can beat him because you didn't beat him last year. You went to the NFC Championship two years in a row. You lost to Jimmy G and you lost to Tom Brady on a new team. So I think the Packers are sitting there saying, we might not win, but we're going to give you everything you want. So if it comes down and fails, it's not on us. It's on you because this is what you wanted. And so when they trade him, they're going to be like, we gave him what he wanted. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, he might have lost to Jimmy G, but that 49ers defense was incredible. So don't matter. You lost him. <laughs> <laughs> and Jimmy G had a damn good game that game. That wasn't a defense that won it. He won that offensively, that game. Uh, yeah, you got to give him that. The next game, totally different story. But you got to at least give him that NFC Championship game. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you just hate Jimmy G. I won't say I hate him. I, I don't hate him. He's a good quarterback. I just think the Niners can do better. <laughs> Yeah, we're about, they're about to find out. <laughs> now they're going to start Jimmy G. Trey Lance ain't starting. I guarantee Trey Lance is going to be the Patrick Mahomes. They're going to start Jimmy G for 16 games. Trey Lance is going to start their 17th game. They're going to go in the playoffs. If they lose, whatever, Jimmy G is gone. Like I said, they're going to find out. And I'm not, not the first game, but they're going to find out this season, you know. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I agree with you. He said something about the 49ers. Yeah, the 49ers were intrigued by getting Jimmy, by getting uh, Aaron Rodgers. But I will say this much. I think the reason why the 49ers didn't pull the trigger, because I don't think the 49ers wanted to give that much compensation to an NFC rival. Makes sense. Yep. Because they know they see them quite often in the, in the playoffs. So it's like, why would we leverage our future for a, for a quarterback that probably could only give us three or four years but yet you're going to benefit from these draft picks for five to six years or seven years, depending. So it didn't make, it didn't make much sense. Uh, 
But I agree with your sentiment. Uh, it's Super Bowl or bust. And if they don't make the Super Bowl, there will be some teams. Hmm. Uh, the New York Giants are probably more. Uh, so then you'll have to deal with that drama uh, smooth next three or four years. Yeah, you know, you sitting there shaking your head, but you know it's right. <laughs> let your let your boy let your boy screw around this this coming season. And don't see if the Giants don't be on the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. <laughs> I'll save that comment for last. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, overall, Green Bay is happy. The town of uh, Wisconsin, where they where they play, is happy. The, the players are happy. Devontae Adams is about to get paid, so you know he's happy. Randall Cobb coming home, he's happy. Jordan Love is probably to say, oh, shit, good. I'm happy he's back. Uh, <laughs> I ain't got to build this crap for another year. <laughs> These people crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think overall, the defense is going to be pretty decent. I think, they have, I, have, I think they have a legitimate shot. You know, just need to – somebody just needs to go after Tom Brady. Don't hurt him. You know, just let him feel some aches and pains every week. Shit. <laughs> let him feel like, you know, when he got hit a couple of times. Oh, my God, I'm sore. I'm 45 years old. I didn't I didn't think I could feel like this. And you'll see the Aaron Rodgers will make the Super Bowl. This is, this is not over, though. This whole season is going to be about Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Um. How is Aaron Rodgers going to respond? Is he going to play like the MVP Aaron Rodgers? Or is he going to be playing just to play his way out of Green Bay for, I mean, play just play for one year and just be like, and I think a lot of players are really going to look at this um, to see how much invested he is in Green Bay, even for this year. Um, is it enough for the team to compete as a whole? There's going to be a lot of what ifs in the locker room. Like, who is he really committed to this team? There's going to be players that's going to actually think about that. Um, so I would say that this is just the beginning of a, another level of drama <laughs> for Green Bay. Now, if he comes and says, I'm fully committed, and he plays like the MVP, then all bets are off. But there's going to be a lot of what-ifs here. And there's going to be a lot of people that's going to be completely looking at Green Bay with, with a microscope. If he misses a, a pass to a certain wide receiver, they're going to be like, is that because of the green the organization? Is he putting the blame on – you know, there's going to be a lot. Like, Green Bay is going to be looked at a lot more than it was in previous years. At the start of it, I mean, throughout the whole season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, you've been hearing on the talk TV times. What's the who's the QB under the most pressure? And they said a couple of names. They were saying Tom Brady, which I don't think he's under any pressure at this particular point because he did what he set out to do. So right now, this year might be his best year because he's he, he can roll free. There's some people saying Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, which I don't think he's under that much pressure. But really now, after he came back to the team, I think this, this it's on Aaron Rodgers, the most pressure, because Green Bay didn't give him what he wanted, which is what he – I think he, he says he wants to retire a Green Bay Packer, and he might really do. But they kind of gave him some of what he wanted, which is more 
say so in the organ, you know, and how things are ran like Tom Brady is. They didn't give him everything that he wanted, but they gave him a lot more than what he had. And so they're so now they're going to say, well, we're going to listen to you more and let you, you know, have more input and maybe even, you know, say, you know, um, demand a few more things. But they're going to take a step back and be like, there's no more blame deflecting. There's no more passive aggressiveness. We gave you little, we gave you what you wanted. Like you said, like, like you said, Ace, it's Super Bowl or bust. And if they don't make it to the Super Bowl, let alone the NFC Championship game, it's it's all going to come down. And I think they're going to position themselves throughout the year for maximum distance if this thing don't go right to lay it all at the feet of Aaron Rodgers and he'll get traded. But he, I agree. Not sending him to San Fran because he didn't want to send to an NFC rival. He's probably going to go to the AFC. Probably either Oakland or Denver. Yep. And he might have pulled the trigger. And he might have pulled the trigger with Denver earlier before the draft. Right. Or, or, this may sound crazy. Maybe Devonta Adams signs a one-year deal with uh, Green Bay. If that don't work out, and this whole Deshaun Watson thing goes south, package deal down to uh, the Houston. And that Deshaun Watson is going south. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. No, it's going south. So what What have you heard differently over the past day that I didn't hear? It's not the fact that anyone's came up with the charges. It's the fact that it's just the – you had the 22 people saying whatever happened. Now you got these 10 people, you know, more that are filing criminal charges or one of our criminal charges. Either way, it's a black cloud looming over the Texas deal. Now they're saying before where they weren't willing to trade him at all. Now they're warmed up, open to trading him, which means regardless of how this plays out, they went out of the Deshaun Watson thing because you just don't want those kind of distractions looming over because you don't know what's going to happen from month to month. It was quiet up until two days ago. Now you got 10. Who knows what's going to happen when the season starts? Well, I guarantee right now, if the NFL can't, NFL is not putting him on that uh, exemption list. He vehemently denies all these ag- uh, allegations. He wants it to go public. Out of those 22, only 10 of them were somewhat credible. And Deshaun Watson's lawyers, like, yeah, we knew about these 10, but we don't fight these. Like, they don't even seem like they're really disturbed or really worried about the 10 that are actually going forward. But that's, so that, what- that's, that, that's 10 too many. Yeah, that's all. I, I mean, don't, I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but you know, in the United States, you're innocent to your plea, you're innocent until proven guilty. I, I get that, I get that, but the, the the problem is is that now that Houston is still now open for trade offers, like they're asking for. I mean, I know their picks, their their what they're asking for is high because they're asking for like three first round picks. But I, yeah, of course not. Of course not. But the point is, is that now they're open. Before they didn't say nothing about Deshaun Watson in, in, in any trade. But now they're becoming more open to whatever offers are out there. So the progress, the process is starting to roll downhill for Deshaun Watson. And I think that's where we're at right now. And you're right. Maybe nothing has changed or from the legal aspect of it. But now something has changed in the Houston management where they're saying, all right, now we're starting to listen to offers. And I think that's what's really important. So I think what's going to have to happen 
if Houston wants said draft picks that they're looking for, they have no choice but to start the man. They have no choice. You, you, you can't, you can't, you can't really expect for them to sit there and say, we want three first round picks knowing that this man can go to jail. Yeah. I mean, and you can't, and you can't sit him because the NFL said, well, shit, they, they, he hasn't done anything warranted to put him on the exemption list. All nah, of these things are just allegation hearsay. So they have, they are stuck behind a rock and a, and, and a hard place. They have no choice but to play this man. Mm-hmm. They have a choice. I mean, give, management may have a choice. That give, let's be honest. Like management could easily just say, "We just don't play you. You get paid, but we just don't play you." I mean, they could do whatever they want. I don't, it may mm-hmm. not be the right decision, but they they could do whatever they want. But if they go ahead and do that, they can't expect to think they're gonna get three first round draft picks. They might get a bag of marbles. I don't think that they're going. They no first round. They they, they they won't even sniff one first round draft pick because of that. I, I think that's the start of their negotiations. <laughs> I think that's really what it boils down to. I don't think that you it's come going. high, someone comes low, and you meet yeah. somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like you're like so Giants. Uh, we'll get, we, we're asking for three first round draft picks. Yeah, we'll give you a we'll give you Jones, and we'll give you an uh, Italian ice. And um and some um and, and a Ruben from down south in South Jersey, uh but that's all you're getting. Uh so so what's your county offer? Because ain't no way hell any team is gonna sit there and give up three first round picks, knowing the consequences that could come of this. But if he goes out there and proves it on the field, and then they decide to trade him, he goes to court, and let's just say, luck have it, he beats it. Everybody's happy because the team that gets him is happy because now he's in the clear. Houston is happy because at least they have got some of what they're looking for, but they can't afford to sit him. Well, they can because I mean you can sit him. However, yeah, I mean they or send them home for whatever reason they deem necessary. Um, but um, you're right. He's has he's not been brought up any charges criminally for anything as of yet, and everything is hearsay. And a couple of women, you got one that was already asking for money before anything came out, so it makes everything else look bad. Mm-hmm. But in the court of public opinion and PR, it's just an, one headache after another. And I think in the beginning, I think the Houston Texans might have been a little bit more willing to. Hand, deal with it and hoping that it would die down and it did for a large part to a certain degree but then now you got 10 more people coming out and it's just it's the PR nightmare it's with the fan base you don't know what you're going to do it right they he might play because there's not going to be any physical reason why he can't play but it's it's just that cloud you don't know what's the next shooter's going to drop and you don't know what's going to happen and i feel like you said they're going to be back and be like as long as no criminal charges you know there's nothing we can do except whenever they want to put out that very little fine print where it says anything detrimental to the friggin football shield that we deemed as bad then we might step in and do something they don't normally overstep any criminal investigations they'll let the criminal investigations go and then be like okay well they did this we're going to do that mm-hmm. but if it gets really bad and we're all hoping that you know it gets resolved sooner and later they could they won't they're going to sit back and just see how this all plays out but for houston it's just it's just a pr headache that i'm pretty sure 
they want to just get away from and focus strictly on football. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Richard Sherman signs with the team, he'll get a two-game suspension. And and you want to know why? (laughs) Just because of the optics. Just because of what they saw on tape. And because they have no visual optics at all with Deshaun Watson, and I think that's what that I think that's what fuels the NFL, just like uh, just like with the uh, oh boy, you're running back from the Giants. You know what I'm saying? When he the whole elevator scene, and that elevator scene, that whole video, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have been suspended, but that gave really bad optics, and they had no choice but to do what they did. He was actually suspended for two games before that came out, mm-hmm. and they and they and people raised hell because they didn't think it was enough. Richard Sherman would get two games because of the optics, because he looked like he was about to bust the door down and, and beat somebody up. But his criminal, because, but but he was going to get criminal charges already. His situation is going to be eventually going brought to, to court, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen, mm-hmm. and then it's going to be done. What I'm saying is to Deshaun Watson, you don't know. Right, right. And that's the one thing that's going to make a lot of teams leery because you don't know where this is all going to end. Richard Sherman has an eventual finish line of where all this is going to end. Community service, probably won't do any time in jail, whatever. It looks bad, but they'll, they've let people play in the NFL for far worse. But with this one, you know, it's the sexual allegations there's no light at the end of the tunnel where some team can say, okay, we know that, you know, judgment is going to be rendered beginning of September. NFL is going to say, you're going to probably want to get six games and then they can feel comfortable. You just don't know because there is, it's open-ended. Last question. Do you truly believe Deshaun Watson is going to let this play out and go to trial? Or do you think he's going to ultimately pay off the 10 because because ultimately it was 22 of the 22 there were 10 that somewhat has whatever criminal charges that they're trying to file out of that 22 but do you think ultimately he sits there and pays all 22 to say whatever and is going about my life because i'm just tired of the bs i wouldn't be surprised if he does it, the question is whether the woman will will take it. That's really what it was. The majority of them, that's what they wanted. <laughs> it was, it was, I, it was no, I, I get that, but for that to happen, all of them have to be in agreement at this stage. And I, 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 I'm not saying that it's, it's not possible. I'm just saying that as of the way things are constructed, you never know. I would say if you haven't done it now and you're out there this far, then you might as well just run to the end. Because the two people that came out and said they really wanted for money, that was the case, you would have paid them the money and been done with it. True. True. Yeah, I think he's going to go to trial too. And, they're, and from what I'm hearing, they're talking about this possibility that the trial you know, all this won't even come to head till sometime in 2022. So if it's all litigation, he hasn't been filed with anything. He hasn't been arrested. He has no charges against him. What you going to do? They're going to play him. And, and, and sit a $40 million quarterback and pay the man. 
I think that's ridiculous. I think if I'm paying you forty million dollars to get your ass up on that field, no, they're gonna they they're gonna give him the opportunity to play. It's just that you're gonna receive a lot of backlash from that. That's really what Houston can Houston handle that. That's really what it is. And truth be told, if Houston is doing it, the, the problem is that they still not set up. They're right now in rebuild mode with a Deshaun Watson being that where he is right now. So they need to have as much success as possible. I just don't know if they're going to get it. And you're going to mm-hmm. have this outside aspect of it as well added into the mix. So Houston, then, you know, they got some things they have to work out. I'm just curious to know if the the Houston locker room will rally behind them or rally around them, or will the media find out those players who have some sort of feeling, gut feeling against them, you know what I'm saying? Because the media will pit player against player because I've seen it and and I think I've seen it now with the cat from uh, LA, with the Dodgers. Uh, A lot of those players are like, they don't even want them on the team. Like, you know, all this is going on, we, we want them off. But I think I saw something today on ESPN that they're saying Deshaun is not even a uh, is not even a uh, a distraction on the team right now. So it's more like the media is just making all this big noise about it. I well, well, I mean, at the end of the day, like the players is going to do what they're supposed to do. They get, I mean, it's their job right now to play. Whoever is part of their team, who you know, they're going to rally behind. Or, or at least to the point where it's cordial, where we do what we need to do to take care of business. Right. Well, Agreed. Well, it'd be definitely uh, something to, to pay attention through. I don't know. I don't want to sit there and pay attention to it that much during training training camp because I have a quarterback competition to be keeping my eye out with in the 49er land. Uh, moving right along in our last topic before we close it out. <sighs> Can I give a, a, a big, huge two thumbs down to the crime commissioner of the Big 12 Conference? <laughs> uh, dude, <laughs> grab your pants by the britches, pull them some bitches up, act like a damn man, stop begging these jokers to want to be here. Obviously, they don't want to be here, so why beg them and pay them more? Screw them. Let them go on about their damn business. You know what I'm saying? And let the other eight teams do what we need to do to ensure that the Big 12 moving forward till this uh, media deal ends in 2025, we can put our best foot forward. Stop sending letters to ESPN talking about they're putting a spin, making it so that it's putting a negative light on the Big 12 and preventing teams from wanting to come to the Big 12. Stop with all the BS, dude. Stop it. Look here. You're trying to you're trying to salvage what's there. We get it. Be a man. Poach the damn ACC. Go out there. Get Clemson. Get Florida State. Get Miami. Because the ACC deal is some trash. Their deal runs till 2036, and I think they're only generating like $30 million a team. The Big 12 was generating damn near 45 to $50 million a year. You don't think those three teams would like to come over to the Big 12 and make some money? Be a man. Go get them. Stop benching. F the ACC. <laughs> F them. <laughs> and then if you really got big nuts, go and get Notre Dame too. <laughs> go get them. 
if you got balls, then stop crying. Let the other team, let the other let the other teams in the conference work their back channels. Let's get these teams over here. Stop all this bitch ass crying. Be some men. Let them two other bitches walk. Let them go. They're only gonna be some middle of the damn pack SEC teams anyway. Especially Texas, they're bum ass. They ain't been shitting over 10 years. <laughs> Oklahoma, well, yeah, Oklahoma's been pretty nice. But still, they're getting their ass whipped in the damn college football playoffs anyway. So what? They're just, yeah, I'm pissed. Yes, because I don't want to see West Virginia go through this crap again. But you know what? We're going to be better for it this time around. But if the commissioner of the Big 12 has some balls, instead of crying to ESPN talking about this and crying, trying to get them more money, go over there and destroy somebody else's league. Let somebody else worry about the shit that they got to worry about. Make our shit stronger. But I digress. What do you guys have started on the situation? <laughs> Ooh. Well. <laughs> Damn whore. Excuse my language. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, I really have no sympathy for the Big 12. Um, you know, this all comes down to money. And recruiting, but more so money. Um, you know, Texas A&M is real hot, as well as Missouri is hot that they're coming into the, into the SEC because they about to feel the recruiting, um, the recruiting ships go down severely. Um, you know, it, I heard Mike Greeny said the Big Twelve is over and doesn't and doesn't even know it. Um, it could be. You know, I think in the next 10 years, you're, you're, you're liable to see um, maybe four huge power conference conferences that might, you know, have 20 plus teams in it. Um, I don't feel bad for Big 12 because what's happening to the Big 12 is what, what eventually happened, what happened to the Big East. And, you know, you can say, Ace, that you don't want to see West Virginia go through this again. West Virginia jumped out of the Big East, right? So they yeah. helped. They helped, you know, basically the finishing move for the Big East to kind of implode and become a non-conference. I mean, but you know, it's it's like it's like the it's like it's like the week it's like the weakest of the pack. You know, Man, big, look, you know it like I know it. Once with the Big East, once the Syracuse and and Pitt left, you know, the right was on the wall. And it was every man for themselves at that point. So the big, so what? What, what do you expect? What should you supposed to do? Hell, Louisville was doing the same damn thing. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be every man for themselves in the yeah, Big Twelve. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if the um, West Virginia finds its way into the Big Ten. No. <laughs> and, and, I, and no, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't belong in the Big Ten. It's just that we're not an AAU school, mm. and it seems like the Big Ten prides in offering AAU schools. Though I read that Nebraska was an AAU school when they came in, but they lost the AAU status once they got they it. Died, yeah. Right. So I don't know if the Big Ten will go after West Virginia, but I've heard rumors that they're going after Iowa State and Kansas. I can see that. If I'm the Big 12, 
I will start, like you said, go go to the eight, the AAC or go to the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 has been getting really no love. I mean, those are two conferences where some people are ripe to get plucked. Now, I think there's a lot of independents out there. And I think right now the independents, and I think even Notre Dame right now is shaking in their boots because you don't know how this is all going to fold out because if the big 12 folds, um, everybody is going to be running for cover to a big conference. Um, and then and independents are going to get, are going to eventually get gobbled up. I think Notre Dame would swing in a huge difference, whether they stay with the ACC, which is probably better for, which is probably where they could go because they're already in basketball or pull out and go to the big 10 altogether. If they were to pull out from the ACC and go to the big, well, if they were to go to the ACC for football, that's going to be as big of a huge shift as Texas going, you know, in Oklahoma going, because now they're no longer independent. The other independent teams are going to be out there on the island by themselves and they're going to be running for cover. So it's going to be the wild, wild west. If I'm the Big 12, you start shooting at anybody that's looking to jump to kind of save your save your soul, because if not, everybody goes. And Ace, West Virginia, if they go running for cover, it's really a wrap at that point. Let me let me say this. I heard, well, there's lots of rumors going out there. I heard that if SEC, if they, if which we're hearing, that's going to be an unanimous vote that Texas. Oh, yeah, they are. OU is going to go to SEC. Yeah, it, it's, been, it's, heard, it's been done for six months. The, right, the second they said right. we want to come, it was. <laughs> right. We're just going to wait for media day for it to drop. But yeah, <laughs> it's I've heard rumors, not only ISU, I, Iowa State and Kansas going to Big Ten, but I've also heard the possibility of the next big huge domino would be the Big Ten go after USC and Oregon. That and geographical also, is, 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 but at this point, but at this point, if you go USC, Oregon, uh, UCLA, and I think there's one other school, that's four. And you take Iowa state and Kansas, that's six. And y'all already at 14. That would put them at 20. Then that means. Oh, they're saying that West Virginia going to the ACC doesn't move needles as far as TV, TV eyes, eyeballs viewership but if they were to add a notre dame fully in west virginia that'll put them at 16 then they need to go after and grab former former schools but then who would they grab and they were talking about maybe grabbing up a couple of the big 12 schools i don't know this shit is getting real complicated at this point and it's starting to piss me off i was starting to like what i saw you know but then now i'm hearing rumors that because of this shift and because now that Texas and Oklahoma thinks it's an easier path to make the college football playoff if they're in the SEC, then they're talking about the schools and the different entities are going to sit there and delay this whole expansion of the playoffs and say, okay, if you want to go over and do that, go ahead. But this playoff expansion ain't going to happen. So that's one way to kind of make things kind of difficult or uneasy for Texas and in Oklahoma, because then they're not going to be able to get that play that, uh, that playoff money it's it's bad because you know it's like you i mean if texas was to go by itself then they might be able to kind of weather the storm because they can try to poach somebody else to come in but to have texas and oklahoma go i mean um 
the next two teams are going to be looking to that might be looking to jump ship is going to be West Virginia and Baylor. You know what the crazy thing about Baylor? Was it Baylor or was it TCU? I think it was Baylor going to Pac-12. You want to know where they say TCU will go? AAC. Hmm. Let that sink in. Where, where, hold on, where is TCU specifically located at? There's somewhere deep in the heart of Texas, somewhere. Hmm. And so Baylor is in Waco. TCU is somewhere. TCU, I think, is outside, outside either Austin or Dallas, but it's a good couple hours outside of one of those big cities. And because then that would give SMU a, par- a Texas partner by adding TCU or give them another partner with a Houston and SMU and then TCU. But then TCU with all the talent that they generate, if they were to continuously win the AAC would give them a clear shot to make the playoffs being that they're going to be taking more teams outside of the, the, the common four. And you'd have to think that because the, the Big 12 is not going to dissolve, so they say, until 2024, 2025. That's not to say that Texas and OU won't leave by 2022, 2023. Uh, so I don't know. Don't know. It's a crazy, crazy round of musical chairs is about to happen. That is true. That is true. Um, I, <clears throat> I think that overall that this is going to be this is a start. Of, this is a breaking point. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, this is a start of something that's going to either. I, I really believe that they're going. I, I would not be surprised if they conduce condense all these conferences to just the key major conferences. Um, uh, I heard so many people saying the Big Twelve needs to do this, pull these teams, pull that teams, but I don't think the Big Twelve even knows what they what they want to do at this stage. Right now, they're just trying to keep the the boat from sinking at this stage. Um, so I think the focus needs to be just on what they can do to continue the, the the conference as a whole. And there's a lot of teams out there for them to grab. There's definitely a lot of teams out there that are willing to be like, yes, we will move to the Big 12. So it's just a matter of them taking the right ones. So they have their work cut out for them. If they got balls, they pick up the phone, they contact Miami, Florida State, Clemson, and one of the name at the ACC. And they say, hey, look, y'all meteorites suck. We making 45 million over here. That doesn't include the two or three rights that you get. You come over here, I guarantee that we'll get a big media deal and we can make some money. It's going to be definitely more than what you're making in the ACC right now. Let the ACC scramble. The ACC will just pick up some teams in the AAC and keep it moving. And they could probably kick, pick up those, those same schools and don't really lose no money because they're not really getting paid anything in their media rights deal. True. Yeah, they better do something because, I mean, like you said, you saw that, you know, moaning and crying about, the, you know, the – the Big 12 commissioner. And I have a hard time believing that all this happened without somebody in 
somebody not catching the wind of this one. Uh, maybe they didn't think it was actually real or they didn't think they were going to pull it through. But you mean to tell me this has been going on for six months and ain't nobody from your office caught wind of nothing? Somebody knew. You're right about that. Somebody knew. Somebody but, knew. But if, but I agree. Stop crying. Stop complaining. If it, if ESPN is doing it, so is you know FS1 because they talk right. about the same thing about Big Twelve. So exactly. sue them too. So stop complaining about that. Get on the phone. Try in your best interest to save the conference because if you don't, and if you do what the Big East did and pulling some people that no one really cared about, the Big Twelve is going to fold within five years because the Big mm-hmm. East once they lost Miami, and once they lost was it Miami, Virginia. In West Virginia and Pitt and Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah, that, that, yeah. yeah, those yeah, once those all those people, they tried to bring in some 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 other teams that no one really cared about, and it didn't help because it just folded. And it didn't have the big TV contract that you know some of these other guys have. But get on the, like you say, get on the phone, start calling people, start calling some teams in the Pac 12, start calling some teams in the Big Ten, start calling teams anywhere. Save your conference. But I think it's I think it's I, <laughs> I, I think it's over. It's within within 10 years the Big 12 is going to be going and all those teams are going to find their ways into other places. Or it's going to be called something else. Right. 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 And I think that's and I think that's the fear. And I think that's probably probably part of the reason why the Big 12 has sent that letter to ESPN, like stop talking to these super conferences and all this crap, because it's it's fearing teams like a Miami, Florida State, Clemson. To sit there and say, well, if if it's going to be a super conference, we're already at fourteen. Why would we want to come to a conference that only has eight? And we already have ours. We just need a couple more teams to come over there. Blah 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 blah. You know, I think that's the fear, and I think that's why they they went and did what they did. But stop bitching about it. You know what I'm saying? If if you if you if you want to be a have, go out there and grab the best that you could probably and destroy somebody else's league. <laughs> it's a dog eat dog world out there. <laughs> destroy somebody else. And take Notre Dame. <laughs> but Notre Dame, though, I don't see Notre Dame. I think, to be honest, I really think Notre Dame is okay with where they are. You know what it, You know what I would say to Notre Dame? Like, right here, look at him. You can keep your damn NBC thing with your $40 million a year. You can have your tier three rights. But we're only going to give you $5 million of the rest of the money. So you can make upwards of 45 and then maybe upwards of 60 to 70 million dollars a year if you come to the big 12 you can keep nbc we'll let you have it but you're not going to get a full share of the the non-revenue sports we'll just give you a set price and you can keep your tier three and i guarantee that'll be more money that you would make than what you're in the acc a good point because texas already got their own you know you know tv rights so is right. it, it are they giving up any money to the sec sec probably would like it but don't need it i think I think, I think if Texas, and this is just my opinion, I'm not sure how this works, but if Texas leaves, they're gonna they're gonna have to give up the Texas uh the Longhorn Network. I don't know about that. But that would just do ESPN. Why would they keep it? Why would ESPN pay them when they're gonna be getting 60, 70 million dollars a year through the SEC network? And they already have their own full network. They're not gonna let them keep the Longhorn Network. No way. I guarantee you, once they switch to the SEC, that damn network is dead. That was the I think they got that network in a way so they could sit there and have more money than everybody else in the Big 12 and be happy. But they being greedy. So 
Mm, okay. They're doing this because they want to table a seat at the table when it comes to the college football playoff, when it comes to the expansion. And they don't think they can stand on their own two feet in the Big 12 for both Oklahoma and Texas to make it. And that's because Texas ass is just ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's because they just got tired of being shitted on by the Big 12. But if you look at it, Big 12 and the Pac-12 have been getting shitted on the last couple of years. So don't feel bad that Pac-12 is being in the same boat as you guys are. They're just in a far, far better position at this particular point. And I agree. But so you getting shitted on, the Big 12 as a whole is getting shitted on. But you want to turn around and be a middle of a pack SDC team. And you might, you might win eight games. You can finish eight and four. And you think because you, those four games that you lost were the SEC teams that you're still going to make the playoffs. Good luck. Good luck. And I hope you lose every damn game. <laughs> Anywho, I'm going to get off my soapbox because I'll probably be talking like this for the next five years. And you guys just might as well just get used to it. <sighs> well, folks, I'll, I'll talk to you when West Virginia winds up in the in the, in the Big Ten. Are, are you? Uh, are, are I don't want to see that? that, huh? Are you claiming that? I I'm not. I'm not saying a bet or anything because I. No, I'm just saying. Is that your gut? Is that how you feel? Yes, I feel like West Virginia. From a geographical perspective, if they lead the Big 12, makes more sense to be in the Big 10. I think they'll wind up in there. Hell, if Rutgers in Maryland is in the Big Damn 10, West Virginia could be in the Big Damn 10. So who are you taking out of that? Indiana? You ain't taking out no. nobody. You no, just taking everybody? Because, it, but I'm saying, if somebody comes into the Big 10, and that's, uh, you're only talking about that if the Big 12 is completely dissolved. No, I think that West Virginia will lead, will find a way of getting out before the West Virginia, before the Big 12 is either fully resolved or renamed. Mm -hmm. But I think they're going to, I think West Virginia is going to jump ship before it actually happens, just the way they jump ship into the Big East. Okay. No, but I'm saying so. Okay. Okay. All right. So, okay. All right. Because I'm thinking that if they do that, just like, the Big 12 will probably be trying to I, – I, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm curious to see why they, they haven't looked at the SEC as some of those teams to try and bring some of those those um, those teams back, those universities uh, back. Well, because, one, no team in their right mind is going to sit there. Uh, maybe, 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 with the exception of Nebraska, would sit there and leave their respective conferences just based off the media rights. They're making. I think. I think the 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 big the Big Ten scored over sixty million dollars this past year in media rights per team, and the SEC wasn't too far behind. And then the the Big Twelve was at forty five million, but then the ACC was at thirty two million. <laughs> so I, you'd be very hard pressed to find any team from the Big Ten and the SEC to leave. Now, yeah. what about conference USA? Would it be nice to get a seat at the table at the Big Ten? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. I see it, but it, it, if it happens, it's going to be it's going to be a twofer because they already got even. They got even teams in the Big in the, in the Big Ten on both on both their conferences. So, trust me, I can see, and you can laugh at me as you want, but I can see West Virginia and Kansas 
going to the Big Ten. West Virginia, more so for football. Kansas, more so for basketball. Well, hold up. West Virginia is the top 25 basketball team. But the big jewel in that is Kansas, not West Virginia. I get what you're saying. True, true. I, yeah, I feel what you're saying. Yeah, I, but the, the, the jewel yeah. would be Kansas for basketball. And I can see that more so than West Virginia and Iowa, West Virginia or Kansas State, even though Kansas State is a pretty good football team. But the jewel crown for anybody for basketball is Kansas. Yeah. It's Kansas. Mm-hmm. And somebody is coming after Kansas, not so much for, for basketball. I mean, not for football, but for basketball. Agree. Agree. And they're willing to take on this shitty ass football team. Yeah. They'll be the doormat of the conference. Just for basketball. Trust but me. Basketball Kansas, knowing that they'll lead them every year come basketball wise. Kansas, 100%. Kansas, and West Virginia is officially on the clock. <laughs> well, if you're going to go that route, I would have to say, I still would believe it's Iowa State, Kansas. And if they were to get West Virginia, I think they, I think the Big Ten would pull a power move and snatch up Notre Dame. Because if, if, if they go in th- if they go two, they if they go two, they have to go four because then they have to put themselves closer to 20. Yeah, they should. They now, should. whether Notre Dame takes it is the question. They're already in basketball and for for Notre Dame, it 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 probably be a much more seamless transition to go into football. They already did it already. Not to say that it's not impossible, and it's probably more geographically. It makes more geographical sense for Notre Dame in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. um, but they already got half their foot in you know basketball. So you know my feelings about football. Mm-hmm. If I'm the if I'm ACC, I've been like, either you're all in or you're all out. If you're all out, fuck you with the um, college football playoffs, you out. <laughs> I agree. But I think if they, I think either ACC got to take it. If, if, if the power move of the ACC is to get Notre Dame in and snatch West Virginia and then try to see what other schools they can get. Or like I said, if the Big Ten want to go big, I don't think they'll take West Virginia. I think they'll do Iowa State, Kansas, go after USC and Oregon. And then let the chips fall where they may. They might take four schools from the Pac-12, Iowa State and Kansas, and that'll put them to 20. And they'll say, screw everybody else. And you guys find it out for the, the your leagues to 20. USC goes out of the Pac, the Pac-12. It's, it's dead. It's dead. It's, dead. <laughs> it's gone. And, and my whole thing is I kind of hope that they would take them because then it almost makes more sense for the Pac-12 and the Big 12 to merge. True. Which which might which some people might happen because there's been some talk about these conferences just merging, mm-hmm. but still leaving off West Virginia because West Virginia just it just don't make sense to sit there and have travel going all the way to California, no, Arizona. They don't, they don't. West Virginia just still find their way to the ACC or something like that, or it's some I don't know. It might just end up in the AAC. Who knows? <laughs> but we'll be the dominant team in the AAC. <laughs> yep. Everybody asks. Oh, well, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> that was really fun. So, fellas, now that we're wrapping up, where, where, where can folks find you? Instagram, Twitter, JE, you're also number seven. Um, it's the Graham and Twitter. I am Al Qualls. And Twitter for me, CatDaddy1963. That is CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. As always, we appreciate y'all so much for tuning in, YouTube, whatever podcast that you might find us under a rock somewhere, wherever the hell you guys listen to your stuff, 
We appreciate y'all. SoundCloud, Apple, you name it, we there. Maybe not Apple. Did you fix Apple? No, I didn't fix it. All right, let me reframe that. Apple didn't fix it, so. Okay, well then, screw Apple. But anyway, you can find us everywhere else. You Apple people can find us on SoundCloud. Uh, or YouTube. So you have options. And Spotify. And Spotify. Yeah, so there's no no excuse. None. If you're going to try to tell me the Apple podcast don't work, screw you. We, we love you, but that's just a weak-ass excuse. So don't, don't bring it. So with that being said, thank you for tuning in to this week's guy, uh, episode of Guys Talking Sports. We look forward to you guys tuning in next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And with that, we're heading out. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.